if it was impressive that military engineers were involved in one way or another. Welcome in to Like a Man. I'm your host, Miles Nielsen. On today's show, we talk to Philip from Historia Militum again, and this time we focus on Roman forts, among some other things. This is a really good discussion. Let's give it a listen. What was it that made the Romans able to accomplish these types of things? What was it that is different from anybody before or after? In my opinion, it's a very good question. And scholars argue about this all the time. Like, why was it the Romans that did this and and not anyone else? But I personally think it was perhaps the, the combination of their ability to adapt the constructions and the methods and whatever worked for other people. They adapted it for themselves. And the fact that they just created a very powerful and disciplined infantry force. Also, there's other reasons, for example, the very strategic location of Italy, that it's surrounded by water, you know, just that alone helped them develop so much, whereas other tribes, they had to fend off neighbors here and there, the Romans were kind of in this very strategic position. So that's, that's one thing, geographically, they were superior, just by where just by how Italy is located. Uh, so that's uh, geographically, and then they have just their flexibility of adapting um, Greek technology and engineers and um, all of that. And then another thing is that just through, I guess there had to be a bit of luck in there as well. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a very good question. But I think uh, basically discipline is a big thing of the Roman military. And just the way they are, the like the legions, like let's take one legion, it's a very strong force of 5,000, 6,000 men. And just the fact that that can be broken down to individual little groups of eight to 10 soldiers who knew exactly who their leader was and what they were supposed to do and the amount of experienced personnel they had in the infantry too. Like, let's not forget that each legionary of a legion had some kind of a unique role. If, if he wasn't experienced in, let's say, um, reading or writing or an engineer or a carpenter or a stonemason or something, like they were all skilled in something. And the ones that weren't, were delegated the actual manual labor for this. So they had a system that was so like intricate and at the heart of the legion structure that they knew what to do. Like you told them, the engineers, and actually another thing, they really liked keeping lists of absolutely everything. They had names of people, how much pay they were offered, how what were their skills, where they were supposed to be, you know, anyone who leaves the fort, uh, they wrote down why, for how long he goes. So it was very sort of bureaucratic as well. And just this sort of system of strict discipline and collaboration and everything, uh, combined with this, the amount of skill that they had, and, and they rightfully used this skill. I think that's what allowed them to create these um, insane constructions, like whenever they wanted. Um discipline where would they recruit the soldiers from typically was it all over the place was it roman citizens was it people yeah. that they had conquered yeah it was it was most of the time it was well all the time they tried to have it as roman citizens very rarely it would be non-romans but that would be only in emergencies like at one time they freed like 
10,000 slaves and gave them, like equipped them. Uh, this was the, the war with, against Hannibal where Rome was in a very precarious uh, situation. They armed slaves to man the army, but generally it was very strict. Uh, you had to be a Roman citizen. You had to be in good physical condition. You had to be between the age of, I think, 16, 17 and like 40. And yeah, let's not also forget that the system of the Romans, uh, actually another reason how they were able to do all this is that the military was a very good special, uh, very good um, career for people at that time. It would immediately elevate you from a lower social standing, social class and pay range to uh, like you would be a middle class, basically, just by enrolling in the legions, just by your pay and the amount of respect you would get from people. It was a it was a one level up. So that really brought in a lot of people to just get recruited. I mean, yeah, just join the army. And uh, that's how you had a lot of skilled people as well that could create these things. So with all these engineering feats, all of the discipline infantry, another one that they had was these forts that they would build. Something that I I'm hoping you could touch on is the fort in Egypt, the Cairo fort. It's up to you on how much detail you want to get into, but why don't you help us understand that situation or just the fort building as well, in addition to the bridge building? The fort in Cairo was just um, a very late Roman fort that was constructed in a, in a very traditional mentality to other forts, like the other, other forts of Rome started being constructed a long, long time ago. It actually dates back to even Greek. Um, so very early time in Rome, they started constructing forts. They were usually wooden, constructed during campaign. Whenever an army set out every evening, they tried to construct a wooden fort just for the protection and to make sure everyone sleeps and gets some rest normally without fearing an ambush or an attack. So the idea of fortification dates back pretty long. And then it is only after the first emperor of Rome came to power, uh, Octavia, um, Octavius Augustus, that actually they become a bit more standard. The army, the Roman army becomes more standardized, more professional. And they begin this idea of um, let's monitor, let, let's find an efficient way of monitoring frontiers. Yeah, there were many, many ways that they guarded these frontier, frontiers. And very interestingly, they all differ. So in Britain, you have one style of constructing palisades or ditches and fortifications. And then in, in Egypt or Germania or um, in the East, in Asia Minor, uh, you would have absolutely like completely different constructions. And this all, I guess, changed depending on local influences based on who they were fighting and who they were up against. And that sort of gave them just an idea of just how concentrated or spread out they need these fortifications to be and also how protected. But roughly after the time of Augustus and maybe the first uh, 10 emperors or so, they started to realize the um, shortcomings of wood, of working with wood. It decays very quickly. It's, uh, you know, it could be burned down. There's very, like, it's, it's not as good as stone. And that's when Forts, uh, we see firstly on the Rhine started getting more um, like replaced completely into stone fortifications. So that's where it kind of uh, got. That was about the first century AD. That's when 
they became uh, really, really common along the frontier. And then they spread to uh, Britain, the famous Hadrian's Wall. They was all like fortified almost completely out of stone. And then, yeah, it, it also spread to the east, to, to Africa as well. But the more interesting thing is just the style of the forts that changes from time to time. Rome kind of undergoes this uh, curve of military development and depending on just how much civil wars they had, the style of these forts, like you could read the problems happening with Rome just by these forts. So at first they were very large, very rectangular, just um, sort of textbook. They had the same amount and same types of buildings inside of them, even though there were slight variations, but all of them had basically four gatehouses, one on each side, so that if an enemy attacked on one side of the gatehouse, you could use the others to sally out and flank and and uh, maybe even retreat or fall back. So you had a lot of options there, like offensive options. But then later on, as we got into the second century and especially the third century, which was a period where Romans were just civil war after civil war and then external invasions and then plague and this and that, it was just a terrible time for Rome, this uh, this third century. Do they yeah. call that the third century crisis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The crisis of the third century. Yeah, that's that's a very, very famous. And at that time, just the construction of the forts really changed. They became kind of smaller. And a lot of them were just given up entirely because these um, barbaric tribes just kept breaching them continually. And then as you breach the defenses, you know, you have all these cities ripe for the taking and they were very weakly uh, garrisoned, defended. So as soon as you break that initial frontier of the Roman Empire, you just, you know, you're free to do whatever you want until a Roman army is quickly assembled to drive you back. So that was a problem that they faced in the third century. And the way they went about that is they simply abandoned a lot of the frontier forts. And what they did was they actually fortified the cities themselves. So every city had like these massive walls, including Rome itself. And every large city had to have walls, fortifications, a garrison. So basically they turned the cities into forts, which is kind of where the idea of mod- of uh, medieval castles come into as well. That's basically like a derivation of this mentality that why uh, defend the entire countryside? Like if you don't have the manpower or money or resources, which Rome didn't have, you could just defend the, the key cities and whatever. But but then, of course, you're exposing the countryside to being burned and looted, looted and that leads to very serious uh, logistical disruptions. But in the third century, Rome had no choice to do that. But then after the third century came the fourth century, and it was an emperor called Diocletian who really, really changed the Roman Empire for the better. He changed the political system, the logistical system, um, the military. He introduced new units, a new way that the army would operate even before it was just a Roman legion, and that would be either stationed or sent out wherever you want. But from the fourth century, you had like a specific arm of the military that was only defensive and they would only be in the forts. And then you had another arm of the military who were more mobile troops that would attack wherever needs be. So they would be stationed sort of further back. And because of this breakup of the military, the forts also changed. So they became much smaller like significantly smaller. Actually, our video, um, there's a, a our video on the fort of Kasser Bashir in, in Jordan. That one is tiny and it has one small gate 
And I think a garrison of only 20 to 30 men, that's that's all. So it was more or less like, okay, if the enemy are coming, we just barricade ourselves in this and we just wait for that field army that's positioned back to quickly come and rescue us. And uh, yeah, a lot of times they did. A lot of times they didn't. But uh, that's how like the style got more into sort of like the medieval thought of like, you know, one gatehouse or you have as little entrances as possible and very strong walls and, and you know, small garrisons. That is like sort of a clear transitioning from late Roman to even a bit like medieval. That's where the castle mentality comes in. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the fort in Egypt was a derivation of that later style and they made it uh, absolutely massive. It was... Um, it had towers, many, many towers, large walls, and the garrison of it was kind of small. Uh, it only had, I believe, three gatehouses rather than the original four. So it was meant made to be very defensive. They eliminated as many weaknesses as possible from earlier forts. And unlike earlier Roman forts, where the garrison inside this fort would be so large that, like I said, you'd have men sallying out from the sides and offensively tackling the enemy. Now the garrisons were much smaller, maybe two to 300 men, maybe even less. Normally the paper uh, numbers are far more than in reality. So every single architectural plan, architectural strategy in that fort was made to counter an attack as efficiently as possible. And that's why even you see things like the gatehouse had a double gate system so that if they break through the first, uh, they would be stuck while they're breaking in through the second gatehouse. And in the meantime, they would look up and they would see themselves uh, in the middle of this kill zone where archers could be shooting at an angle of 30, 360 degrees around you. And why that's effective is if you have just four archers, one behind you, one in front, one to the left and to the right, like all surrounding you, shooting down on you, that is very very effective it basically accelerates like elevates the amount of fire and amount of arrows hit so yeah everything in that later fort was meant to make it comfortable for a very small garrison to fight off against an extremely large army as uh, later in that video you could see a very significant army of uh, the muslims the the right or the the rising muslim threat um how they were held off i believe for over two years by a really small roman garrison so that was impressive, but that's exactly how the Roman style changed to have more of a defensive stance rather than offensive structures. That's so interesting, like medieval castles, that idea coming from Roman forts and, and the impact that Rome still has had on today's world. I see so many correlations between like the free world today in Rome yeah in absolutely actually um if uh, i i forgot to mention like even just caesar's bridge across the rhine which was our original topic the implications of that for future history were, were kind of large like at first it kind of represented one of the first instances where you know it's like the growing uh, ingenuity of mankind and almost like the taming of nature you know a taming of a mighty river by humans and that was accelerated later on throughout history by other emperors like Emperor Trajan, who later built um, a kilometer long, the first ever kilometer long bridge across the Danube River. That was an even more impressive construction. It took him two years, but if you saw like the size of that, that's that's a record setting time. Um, and later on, even all the way to uh, Napoleon in the 18th century, 
he was a huge fan of, of, of Rome and you could see his depictions of him, all his statues, all his paintings. He has like this laurel wreath on his head, just like Julius Caesar would. And uh, he strongly instilled discipline and forced marches to his infantrymen. The French, like the reason they were able to just manhandle the rest of Europe was because their army was so good at these fast marches and thinking on the spot and uh, constructing bridges actually over rivers, just like in very short amounts of time. And I'm pretty sure he got that from Caesar as well, because he was a really big fan of Roman history. And uh, you could kind of see his army, which was only like, what, 200 years ago, resonate so strongly with a 2,000-year-old army that uh, it just tells you the grand uh, scheme of all these um, yeah, Roman exploits. I just, like I say, it, I could listen to you all day long. <laughs> I, love, I love these topics and I love these accomplishments that they've yeah. had such impact. Any, any construction you see, even in Rome today or um, any ancient construction, it was if it was impressive, the military engineers were involved in one way or another, because the, the best careers, the best jobs, the most talented individuals, engineering, science, um, you know, everything, they were, they were in the military. And whenever you needed a civil project being done, like, let's say, some kind of amphitheater or, I don't know, statue or something or, or, or massive uh, temple, um, you needed to call in engineers from the Roman military to get in. You'd have to um, contract them, basically. And yeah, that was where the money was at. It was in the military. And um, it's interesting how it changed in, in the modern time. Like modern, it's like, you know, you have civil and you have military. They don't mix. <laughs> but back then, like the Roman military was like everywhere. Like they were constructing roads. They were constructing temples and churches and, and uh, you know, just basic buildings and, and, and even bridges for just simple logistical tasks. So, yeah, um, it's very interesting just how much um, society has changed. That was the end of our conversation. Everybody, go check out Philip's YouTube channel, Historia Militum. It is amazing. You will love it. He takes you to these places with his animations. You will not regret it. I want to thank Philip for coming on, and I want to thank everybody for listening.